0: Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. All right, so if you haven't already noticed, I'm going to try a new format. I've put on my big boy podcast pants, and I've learned how to do some editing, uh, add some music, add some sound effects, and it's in no small part thanks to the help and advice I got from uh, fellow piercer Will Von Doom. He's also got a piercer podcast called Real Talk. You should check it out. It's available on iTunes, Apple Podcast. This is, I'm kind of looking at it as the, the start of really the show uh, before my older episodes were just kind of just recorded Skype conversations. There really wasn't a lot to it. So now I'm going to try to give you an actual formatted show. Uh, What I'm going to start with is a few interviews I did with my friend Alicia Cardenas from Soul Tribe in Denver. Uh, We vary quite a bit on on certain things as far as our opinions go, and uh, I I think you'll learn that through the interviews. So, kind of heavy subjects on some of them, but I promise you they are entertaining and informative, so stick with me. There are three different sections for it, and uh, the last one ends on some information about scarification, which some of you might find interesting. So, let's go ahead and listen to the first part of our interview. With Alicia Cardenas.
1: Hi, y'all. My name is Alicia. I have a shop in Denver for, oh, 20 years now. Uh, one called Soul Tribe just opened a second location about a month ago. I've been doing body piercing for a long time and I'm super passionate about it.
0: So, today we're going to talk about kind of a sensitive subject um, racism and sexism in the professional piercing industry. Uh, like a lot of other areas of life, uh, Things can kind of get overwhelmed by the white guy uh, opinion, and I think that really does a disservice to a a huge portion of our industry and our community. A lot of the people who have been influential on me and a lot of people that I've learned from are women, uh, people of other different races. I've met a lot of different people around the world through my travels, and I think it's really important to uh, not only just respect the contributions, but respect the fact that uh, different opinions really matter, and it's important to wrap all that into your own opinion if you want to really grow as a person, but also as a professional. So uh, as a woman, Alicia, what are some of the, the struggles and, and, and some of the annoyances for you in the industry?
1: Well, there's a couple of things, Ryan. I mean, obviously, there's the the interactions I have day to day with clients and what happens within you know people walking in the studio. There's what happens within the the personnel of the business, um, and then, of course, uh, within the industry. So I've had a, a lot of experiences throughout the years within those three different realms, people walking in and getting judged or being treated differently or watching people react poorly to our culture and just a lot of just cultural barriers and lines that have been crossed, and then also being a woman business owner and having a male business owner a partner that people always talk to um, them first and don't assume that a woman runs a business uh, or that I'm you know secondary to a partnership so there's a, there's a lot of different experiences over the years you know um, that have kind of sculpted my view um, and it's been really interesting and something that I've been intrigued by lately is how few people are actually doing body piercing and tattoos that are of color and um and this sort of and of course women as well uh, it really stuck out to me uh, uh in 2003 when i was at the piercing conference in mexico city for instance and there was only two women piercers out of 70 male piercers and that was really interesting to me um cuz uh, mexico sort of mimics us in a little way in that way so um yeah it's been it's been uh, uh trials and tribulations it's been hard to um, to sometimes really understand it, I've had to process a lot of these interactions a lot and, and figure out that a lot of employees don't like to be, um, don't like to work, work for women. Like they have specific issues in and around being told what to do by women. So it's, it's interesting. Um, and I do see struggles come up here and there. Uh, as the industry has changed, I do see that it's starting to balance out a little better and it makes me really happy.
0: So, I, I definitely see, uh, a greater female presence in the industry uh, within the last few years. So, like, now I feel like, uh, you know, women are getting more of an equal chance uh, to to share their voice in the industry these days, uh, mostly through the Internet. Uh, but I definitely saw kind of a, not, not really a void, but um, there was definitely a lack of strong female leadership in maybe the last... 10 to 15 years previous to that in the industry. When I would go out to conference, the majority of the instructors were men. Mm-hmm. The uh, majority of the uh, the people from jewelry companies were men. Mm-hmm. And I've, I've definitely started to notice that paradigm shift in the last few years. And I, I really hope I, I start to see it kind of balance out where it's more of a, a 50-50. But... Um, for for me it's it's really important just to see different perspectives. Uh with with men only in the industry, you're gonna get a, a very uh male centric point of view and you really kind of lose out on uh a lot of the growth uh in, in the industry with, when it's just run by men. I, I think a lot of that comes out of tattooing culture. It does. Uh, it does. Definitely in the seventies the and eighties, you know, it was close to a hundred percent men, you know. Sometimes there were women who could who could make their mark and, and really make a name for themselves, but for the most part, uh tattooing was male dominated and that kind of uh transferred over into to piercing a little bit. With with body piercing, I feel like a lot of it comes out of uh the fetish communities yeah. of the the seventies and eighties, so you would have a little bit more acceptance towards um towards gay people, towards women yeah, and it's a little bit different for our industry, but you still see that that male-dominated perspective uh, overall in, in body art.
1: Yeah, and thank God for that community because that really busted us wide open and really took us away from the biker-ish uh, late '70s mentality that we had sort of that this culture had sort of wrapped around as acceptable. Like, walking into a tattoo shop was going to be a biker dude who was probably going to be a little bit racist, but he was going to be trying some new shit, and he was being an artist a little bit. And and then all of a sudden, here comes the body piercers who are, like, kinky as hell, and they want to do some weird shit, and they're pretty much open to anybody. And they really, thank God, they really changed the game, and they really opened it a whole up to women and to people of color and all types of walks of life they pretty much said like anything goes and those two worlds again and again have clashed I mean you all know it and if you've worked in a tattoo and piercing studio or if you've experienced one you know that there is a very distinct line between traditional old school tattooing and mentality and the newer sort of like evolving piercer who may may be transgender and you don't even know it or may have come from a foster program or you know like who knows? Every walk of life has sort of birds, um, body piercers, you know? So thank God for that. And, but at the same time, we are still so far off, Ryan. I mean, at conference, we still, um have a majority of of male educators and we have a lot of um you know we do have some female industry uh owners like you know uh industrial strength at l l c you know a lot of strong female business owners happening in and around our industry, but still very imbalanced and and it's still very hard and interesting when I do see an african american body piercer like period. You know, like unless you're in another country, it's pretty it's pretty uncommon. Now, thanks to the 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 Latin American Association and the work that APP did with that, we have had like monstrous numbers in and around the Latin American community coming and supporting our organization and coming up and doing the classes. And then, of course, it's brought a lot of people out of the woodwork that normally wouldn't have felt comfortable coming to conference because they are sort of fringe piercers that are of um you know mexican descent or cuban descent or that type of stuff so um it's 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 coming alive um but it has a lot of work to do and i'm actually going to do a lecture about it because it's something i'm really passionate about at the app it's it's going to be more of the app talk style so it's not going to be really a lot of discussion it's going to be um more of a a piece from my heart a more of like what a lot of these thoughts put together and expressing like where I think it should go, like what should we done? I mean and and how to nurture it the best we can because you're right, it really richens our experience as piercers um, I, my entire career changed after I went down to Latin America and went down to Mexico and did body piercing over there. Like I became a better, thicker, richer, more rounded piercer. And, uh, and I think everybody just wants that. They want to be the best they can at their job. And so having people from different walks of life coming in and expressing themselves and telling their stories of getting pierced when they were two weeks old in Panama are, you know, they're only going to lead to you having a better empathy and understanding of those things that come your way.
0: That's a really important part of the growth of the industry. People who just want to step up into leadership positions, and I would really like to see that from from anyone, really. If you feel like you have a, a strong voice and you have something to share, you know, definitely find an avenue to share it, and uh, you know, come to conference, get involved with the APP, get involved online, and you know, it's it's really. It's really your time. So, you know, take uh, take the opportunity. You
1: know, alongside of that, Ryan, like I was really having these thoughts for quite a while and really struggling with why more women were in the industry or why more people of color were in this industry or being welcomed into the industry or doing apprenticeships. And so um, and and frustrated about that enough in my thoughts that I was like, okay, well, what can I really do? Like, what can I personally do? And and it totally like I can't believe it eluded me for so long. But I was I have a body piercer that I trained in my studio named Casey. She's worked for the APP. She's a good solid piercer only been doing it solid for like three years, you know, so still fairly new. Um, but really overtrained, like, like super overtrained for my mentality. And, um, and I'm just teaching her more. Like, I'm just getting her as involved as possible because she's in my little microcosm. You know, she's, she, I'm teaching her more body mod stuff, uh, more problem solving stuff. I'm teaching her, um, to really just, uh, as much genitals work as possible. Like, we have been blessed with a lot of that work. So I, um, I'm really making sure that she is solid in those things that a lot of other people um, are afraid of, you know? And so I feel like it's like, if you really feel strongly about it, then you just start really opening your eyes to who's, who the possible future, you know, leaders and really putting energy into them, taking that extra time and being like, Hey, you know, I saw this post that you made and it was really good. And I wanted to ask you about it because that's how we're going to get people talking. You know, I think the part, the part where we' a lot of us feel very privileged in this culture, um the part that we balance that privilege out with is teaching and integrity, like we just really pass that on like those blessings that we have every day, um we need to not be afraid to share them, and sometimes teaching somebody is an exhausting process, but we do have to have that next generation on deck, and they do have to be conscientious of of gender and issues around. Abuse and issues around race and social graces in that realm. And, and the best we can do is, is really dive in with the people in our perimeters. So I have definitely been trying to bring more people into shadow my classes and teaching. And I did tell Casey that I'd like her to start doing lectures here in town because I feel like a competent piercer needs to be able to lecture to a medical community about what their craft is. I think that's an important part of this survival of our group.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because if you're not teaching all the skills that go with body piercing, uh, you're you're losing out generation by generation on your ability for outreach and, and education and things like that. So, if uh, the last subject wasn't upbeat enough for you, I've got another one where we talk about piercing little kids. Uh, it's something that I think a lot of piercers are, are nervous to uh, experiment with and to uh, to talk about. So, uh, here's part two of my interview with Alicia Cardenas.
1: Hi, I'm Alicia. I have a shop in Denver, a longtime APP member, and super advocate for all different stuff <laughs> piercing-related.
0: So today we're going to be talking about kind of a sticky subject, and that's piercing kids. And I don't mean piercing 10-year-olds. Uh, we're talking about piercing babies, toddlers, infants, little kids. Um, that's really kind of taboo for some piercers, I think. And then other piercers, it's just um, they're they're totally comfortable with it. And I, I feel like it it really varies a lot. I don't think there are a lot of people who are on the fence where, you know, Sure, sometimes I'll pierce a baby and other times I won't pierce a baby. I think it's really, you know, black and white one way or the other. Like, yes, I will or or no, I don't feel comfortable with it. I would definitely fall on the no, I'm not comfortable with it. As far as babies and and toddlers go, I'll pierce young children, you know, as young as maybe six, uh, as long as they can talk to me and tell me, yes, I would like my ears pierced. Uh, younger than that, and I really don't feel comfortable with it. What's what's your opinion on the subject, Alicia?
1: Well, Ryan, you know, we're longtime friends, but I come from a totally different position. But I totally respect your position. You know, I think that your position is the majority of piercers out there that are seeking a professional career in a professional body, stu- body art studio. So I, I totally... Um, respect that and I see that. I come from a different place where my culture sort of uh, dictated that I could do body piercing um, on small children and babies and I didn't know that it was a problem really for anybody until way later <laughs> after I had already been doing it comfortably for a long time and I believe in all of the things that people are saying about consent but because I was pulled into piercing babies in the late 90s for family members as like, a, you're a piercer, why wouldn't you pierce your niece or nephew or cousin or anybody who is, you know, and in the Latin American, Mexican American um community, uh that is a commonplace. So, me and my other piercer James Maldonado we started doing it and we didn't really know that there was a problem <laughs> and then the piercing community was like hey this, this is a consensual issue and we're still of the of the belief that you know our family and our our mother makes a lot of decisions and consents for us at uh, at the young age and that this is one of those things that is uh, is in the parents hands and and that they um are making good decisions by their kid I mean, I've come up against a lot of opposition about this, but this is just where I come from. So, um, But, you know, more over than my stance, because a lot of people will argue with me about my stance, and, and I, I do think it's a conversation worth having. But what I really want to focus on, um, Ryan, is if everybody is of the belief that we're not going to do this and when people are going to get sent to the mall and yada, 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 which is heartbreaking for us, I just would like to see that the community be a little bit more open-minded and less judgmental of those parents that ask for this procedure,
0: you know? See, I I definitely wouldn't consider myself to be judgmental. Uh, There are lots of things, you know, people walk through the door and ask for all kinds of things that I say no to. And piercing infants is definitely one of those things where I try to, I try to go into it from a place of understanding and I say, all right, I, I completely appreciate the fact that, Body piercing can be uh, a spiritual, cultural, significantly important thing to to a family, and a lot of a lot of little kids grow up and they love the fact that they have their ears pierced from a, from a young age. So I completely respect that. I don't look at it in the same way when when people come in and they ask for horizontal tongue piercings or something else that I, I feel like isn't great to do as a responsible piercer. I, I look at that and I say. No, I'm not going to do that because of safety reasons. When it, when it comes to a little kid, I say, I don't personally feel comfortable with it, Holy. but at the same time, I respect your decision and I respect your rights as a parent to, to do that if you feel like it's culturally appropriate for you, but my personal comfort level as a piercer would be no. I would strongly urge you to wait until they're old enough to make that decision on their own, and then I would be happy to perform it for you at, at even a fairly young age, but... I don't know if it's, if it's for me, it's just a a comfort level. You know, I feel like if I had had my ears pierced when I was a baby, I maybe would have grown up to uh, resent or regret that, even though I chose piercing for myself at a, at a later age. Yeah.
1: And honestly, that I think that you are the minority. I think that you approach that perfectly great. Like that's, that would be an acceptable interaction to me. You're not the person, you're not the piercer I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about, and there's a lot of rhetoric on the Facebook and all that about, this being a an issue of abuse like i think there's a there's a really you know uh there's a lot of variables there there's a lot of gray between it goes from uh you know an innocent cultural mo- uh movement to uh you know abusing children by getting their ears pierced when they're that young you know like i just think we need to tread really lightly and be a little bit more considerate that There is, uh, there's other elements involved, you know, and, um, and not all of it, it can be chalked up to this is some vain mom who wants her baby to look like a girl and have all these like accessories, like...
0: If someone contacted me and said, you know, uh, my mother had her ears pierced when she was a child, I had my ears pierced when I was a child, I would like to have my child's ears pierced now, I can look at that and say, all right, I, I understand your motivation for it and I respect that, but... A personal preference, I have to decline. But a lot of times when I get it, it's just it's a woman saying, oh, hey, I want something sparkly for, for me and my friends to look at whether or not it holds any sort of significance to me. And For me, that kind of equates it to I'm going to dress my dog up in a jacket and carry it around so I look cuter. And that that's kind of where I get a little bit. Agreed.
1: Agreed. I would turn those people down as well. What I, you know, I absolutely 100%. I think what I'm trying to say right here is I support people's ability to say no to any sort of variable that doesn't make them comfortable. But the manner in which you say no is an opportunity to educate. It's an opportunity exactly. to lay out the foundation for what might be a better scenario for everybody involved. Now, that being said, I've seen more ear infections in a five year old than I have in a two six-month-old or a four-month-old, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> because they don't have the behavioral aspects down of healing healing a piercing and not touching it and not letting other people touch it and all these other things that we educate body piercing to be about. So in my practice, I have very strict guidelines about what I will and will not do and who I will and will not do in the manner in which I do them. And I think that intention makes all of the difference. I think nobody wants to pierce a screaming, crying baby. So guess what, Ryan? I never pierce a baby that's screaming or crying. They have to be calm. They have to be that, you know, ready to go on the bottle and be calmed right away. I can guarantee you my piercing procedure is less traumatic than a a, a vaccination or some sort of small swabbing of the back of the throat that happens for kids all the time. So I think that everybody just needs to like really try and be um, a little bit better with their wording and approach and judgmental aspects um, to the people, because I've heard so many people being treated badly who are looking for this service. I mean, literally treated like with such disrespect. And
0: like like you should call child services yeah. on them. I, 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 get, I get that well, side I'm of it. I'm talking and- about
1: people going into a piercing studio and being asking for body piercing for their child and having a piercer verbally assault them.
0: Oh no, no, that's that's what I mean. When when a when a piercer looks at it as child abuse yeah. rather than than a professional service. And I, I totally I, I completely get in and, and, and value what you're saying. I think um it's really important the the manner the manner that you have a consultation with a person, whether it's the parent or whether it's the, the client, the child themselves. Okay. When it comes to piercing children that are that are at an age where they're too young to be able to speak for themselves, I feel like, you know, again, it's it's a lot of its personal preference. And then when it comes into the age of being able to sit and have a conversation with a tiny person, what I like to do with my consultations is, okay, well, first I, I tell the parent, um, I'm going to have you come in for a consultation Usually before we open, so it's just me, it's just you. We can we can look at the jewelry. You know, feel free to to bring the kid in, uh, and then we're just going to talk, and that's it. And I don't guarantee any sort of services. I don't say expect to leave with uh, with earrings. You know, just just come in and expect to leave with some information. If I feel good about the situation where I can talk to the the kid. And I can say, all right, now it's really important that you know uh, that you can't touch your ears. You can't play with them. That's where all the germs come from. You don't want to make them, you know, irritated or infected. Can you, do you feel like you can, you can be okay with that? And, you know, if I can look at them and I can see an intelligence where they say, yeah, I understand that. I know that I can't play with it. You know, even if they're a little kid, I'm still fine with piercing them as long as that, that moment is there where I feel confident that they're at a maturity level where they can they can actually heal it. Because just like you said, there is no age line where you guarantee a lack of problems. So maybe, you know, you pierce a little baby and if their parent's taking care of it, it's going to heal fine. And then on the reverse, you pierce a little kid... Uh, where maybe their parents aren't really kind of monitoring them or making sure that they're cleaning it properly, uh, and then you're going to have a lot of problems. And what's going to be the worst experience for that client? Mm-hmm. Getting pierced when they're a baby or getting pierced when they're a six-year-old and having to go to a doctor and having antibiotics or have their jewelry taken out for them? So right. a lot of it is really the way that you handle the entire experience, and, and you got to separate yourself from... I agree with your decision, yes or no, and you have to kind of look at the overall experience.
1: Yeah, and like I said, I would just really like to see people use the phrases like, you know, I will try and, you know, maybe I can help you find somebody who will do it. It's just not, I'm something I'm not comfortable with, but I totally see why you would be coming to this studio to get it. I mean, we need to be encouraging people to get professional body piercing. You know, we need to not be sending them to the mall. Uh, Exactly. I think that's
0: the worst thing that that you can can do for someone,
1: you know. Like, I would love to do this now is not the time, but I would love to tell you why you should wait. <laughs>
0: exactly. You know? So what I, what I also do, and I have it right on my own website, uh, I have like a frequently asked questions, you know, we'll pierce this age, we don't pierce at this age, and then for the, you know, we don't pierce infants or toddlers, there's a, another APP member studio about an hour south of me that that is comfortable doing it. So I put it right there on my website, you know, it's a, it's a personal preference, Uh, If you still want to have this service done professionally, you can go to this studio that meets the same standards that we meet, and I'm comfortable sending you there. I'm just not personally comfortable performing it myself, so I'm going to give you all the information. Part of that information is going to be, you know, really try to avoid the mall for this reason. You know, they don't have sterilization facilities and yada, yada, yada. But if you really want to choose to have this done, here is a safe avenue for you to be able to have it done. I'm not going to put them down and say, you're a terrible parent. I'm going to call the cops on you. I'm going to just give them an alternative because if they want their kids' ears pierced, whether they're trying to do it themselves or they're going to a doctor or they're going to a mall or they're going to a professional body piercer of whatever skill level, they've already made the decision to have their kids' ears pierced. You really just want to get them in the safest environment possible. I, I also think it's really good to um, to look at online resources like uh, like the point uh, quarterly publication for the app. You know, there have been some some articles in the past. I think on this subject, and if, if there if there hasn't been one in a while, I think now would be a good time to maybe update that because I, I feel like younger generations of piercers. They look to uh, previous generations, and if the previous generations are saying no, absolutely not, then the new generations are all going to say that. And I think it's really important for them to just have the information to make their own choice uh, based on their their personal comfort level.
1: Yeah, and I'm available also to talk, and I can I have a pretty extensive procedure and guidelines in around my procedure. So
0: anybody who's interested can also contact me. So, how would people find you online if they wanted to? Um, to Soul Tribe get in Tattoo
1: is going to be my the website I'm listed on, as well as uh, Gmail Soul Tribe S O L T R I B E at Gmail. That will find me as well.
0: All right, so a lot of insight there. Uh, hopefully, it, it helps out some of you who. Um, are kind of maybe on the fence or, or thinking about what their official policy is going to be for themselves so um let's end on a high note let's talk about some scarification uh from from my perspective you know i see it as a, a professional service and alicia sees it as, as more of a ritual and uh, i think our conversation really helps to, to shed light on on both sides of that so here is the third and final part of my interview with alicia cardenas Alicia and I had kind of a a professional relationship for a long time, but I I, I don't think we really broke the the friendship barrier until a few years ago when we actually had a debate about scarification and what place body art has as spiritual or as a professional service. So I feel like we are definitely two sides to the same coin on an issue like this where uh, I approach something as... uh, really just as a as a professional service. I go into it focusing on cleanliness and aesthetics and jewelry quality and and things like that and I feel like um I don't want to put words in your mouth and you can definitely uh speak for yourself but uh, I feel like you kind of go at it from more of a, a a spiritual kind of place and where do you feel like the balance is in in the modern industry for those for those issues?
1: Oh, wow. Um Yes, I would agree with that. I think that you and I approach things really different, but I do think that it is I I try to mix in that uh professionalism so that somebody's getting a professional service alongside of all this other stuff. Um and um I think there's a place for both of it. I think there's absolutely a need in uh for both of it. You know, there's going to be people who come to you who just want this really cut and dry service. Um they want it to be as as predictable and dictatable as possible. And, and you are able to provide that impressively. Um, but I, uh, I find people who find me tend to go for an experiential type thing where I am, I impress upon them that they need to stay very loose about the outcome because it really isn't up. It's up to us to a point and everything after that is, you know, we just have to really see the whole picture what was gained from the whole experience, um, the healing, and then, um, of course, trying to meet their visual goals, but probably not as sh- as as, um, as stuck in that part of it as in accomplishing what often is a- another layer.
0: For me, I- I've had people come in where I can tell that they- they're looking for some sort of a, a ritual or... Emotionally fulfilling experience, and I, I absolutely feel lacking in that department. I, I have tried, um, and I feel like it's just someone doing a bad impression of what someone like you can do with someone. I don't, I don't feel um, a, a, an energy kind of connection with people when I when I pierce, and I'm not trying to say that as a deficiency where you have to have that connection to someone as a piercer. But I don't really feel. An emotional connection to someone because we're we're performing a piercing uh, together. It, sometimes I feel a, a connection to a, a a person on an individual level where I can say, all right, you know, we, we share some sort of common bond or an opinion or something, and we can have a conversation. But um, I, I really don't feel like it's my strength to offer someone ritual if if that's what they're looking for. And I don't necessarily mean lighting incense and having a drum going in the background, but I, I feel like if, if people walk into my studio expecting more than a quality piercing, I, I, my door might not be the best one for them to walk through, really.
1: Uh, you know, Ryan, I mean, here's, here's how it is for me. It's like you understand, even in your clinical approach, the exchange of energy. All it comes down to is, is energy exchange. And I think that people come to the right person for the energy exchange that they're looking for. Yours doesn't have an emotional side. A lot of people aren't looking for that emotional side. They just want the exchange, and they want to have that energy uh, awakened in them. And so, I by all means consider ritual to be more rounded than maybe others might think. Oh, I very rarely have drummers in my shop, and we do do incense, but that's usually because there's stinky tattoos, and I live in Colorado. You know, so I, I think can I
0: just say that it's adorable that you have a part-time drummer? for your studio
1: <laughs> anyway the, my point is is that uh ritual is all different sorts and you're you know just because you approach it differently doesn't mean the same job isn't being done and and that there isn't movement that's happening because it is about energy and it's not about emotionality sometimes emotions come into play and sometimes um other types of things come into play but moreover it's all a really we're doing the same work we're doing it we're doing magic in different ways. Um, and you joke about the wizard thing, but you know, like, um, I do believe that there's people who master their art and that they can become on a level where they are able to do their job in a way that no other person is able to do their job and they are called wizards or masters or whatever. And so I do believe that what we do is magic. You don't have to believe that, but I know that there's an energy exchange happening because I've seen the work that you do and I've seen the happiness and the and, and the comes out of the work that you do um, with scarification. I have people who are a little bit more obvious about it. They're like, I have this issue and I want to work it out this way. And I often ask that stuff because I'm not going to spend four hours of my life giving, you know, a lot of energy to a project where I'm not in some way knowing that I'm serving the greater good of this human,
0: you know? Well, for, for piercing, I, I would definitely say that I've, I've felt a connection to people on a few occasions. It's, it's definitely not a, a, a very common thing for me, but I've, I've had clients come in and um you know, they, it started out as just the regular interaction that you'd have with, with almost any client, you know, release forms and choosing jewelry and sterilizing and cleaning and marking and all that. But then I've had that, those moments where you, you kind of lock eyes to someone or, you know, they, they say something, they communicate something with you where you, you realize that they're not just here for aesthetic reasons. You know, this is important to them and, you know, sometimes it resonates with me. Sometimes it doesn't resonate with me. I've had people come in and say, you know, I, I just finalized my divorce. I want to get this new sexy piercing. And I'd be like, that's great. You know, I'm, I'm glad that I can be part of that, you know, for you to kind of reclaim a big part of your life and, and to be independent. And I'm glad that I can be here with you for that. I've had other people who have said, I want to get this, you know, genital piercing or nipple piercing as a way to kind of reclaim a part of my body that I've, that I've felt uncomfortable with in the past. And, those, those situations, you know, I, I feel something in the room other than, uh, you know, me getting money, them getting jewelry. I, I feel something, but uh, it's definitely not something that I can switch on. Uh, you know, I, I feel like if people come in expecting that experience, I, I probably won't be able to, to offer it to them. But if it happens organically during the experience and they leave with a big smile on their face more than just seeing a cool piercing when they look in the mirror, um, that makes me feel good. But... I, I don't necessarily have uh, an, an outward uh, spirituality to, to the way I work.
1: Well, but here's the thing. At its base core root in history of humans on this planet, body piercing is a spiritual ritual act. So even taking out all of that part of it, the act of pulling, pushing a something through somebody and getting blood out of it is as ancient and as ritualistic and as in you know um, as it gets you know so even uh, you I my theory about body piercing specifically practitioners and their art form their medicine as I would call it that they bring to the world is um, is actually what's attracting people to them so I believe that the people who come to you Ryan come to you for what you give um, whether it be total stillness and quiet Or a stoic, I'm in charge, you know, I'm going to handle this alpha. Or whatever it is that they're getting from you is what, you you know, you've put out there. And and there's a reciprocal relationship happening there. Um, I think I even rejected one of your clients once because he was so overly analytical but asking all the wrong questions. And I was like, maybe you should go to Ryan. Like, if you're going to fly somewhere for this, like, Ryan's the better fit for you. You know, I'm not going to. Show you a drawing of what it's going to look like afterwards. You know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, these things are too far off of for me. Like I, I'm here to cut you open. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and 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 often that's what I do. Um, and I prefer to do more simple designs. Like you're more elaborate and more detail oriented. I like to do stuff that makes marks that you can see from a half a block away. Like that's my aesthetic. You know,
0: for for the people listening to this, that that are a little bit confused we're we're kind of talking a little bit about piercing but also a little bit about scarification both of us perform scarification i wouldn't say it's our, our primary service at all um, where you know when we walk through the door at work you know i'm i'm a body piercer um, i know alicia you've moved a lot more into tattooing in the last few years but you know i think i think we're both really body piercers still at the core
1: um and i you know i have a lot of people coming to me specifically for appointments and for big stuff and for exotic stuff and for people who are looking for ritual and that's really who i'm lucky and based and get, and get to work on now you know but i have to tell you ryan i turn a lot of people away too because i want people to have the right person for the job and that's where I'm really committed because I see when I can't make that connection with people and I see that they're wanting something that I can't give. And I, I think that being a real bona fide professional means being able to, um, to do that, you know?
0: Yeah, I, I you know, for anyone listening where if you're kind of a newer piercer or even if you're listening to this from the client perspective, you know, it, it's really important to have the right match. So even if somebody walks in the door and you give them a great piercing, um, they might walk out feeling like they didn't really get what they maybe not necessarily what they wanted, but what they they needed. You know, they might walk out feeling a little bit lacking if they didn't have some sort of a connection with the person, whether it was having a conversation or, you know, getting a smile out of someone or, you know, making a friend out of it. You know, a lot of people who go in for tattoos or piercings end up creating friendships with the people who work in those studios. And if that's not your comfort zone, there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're just kind of open and you can see that sometimes people are looking for something other than what your primary service is, you know. So if you're a body piercer, um, realize that sometimes a, a little bit of therapist can kind of come into that, you know. Part of what people do for body piercing can be therapy where they want to walk in and they want to kind of get out frustration or get out anxiety or, or get out whatever they, they want to get out, you know, energy, like like Alicia says, you know, whether you have incense or drums or not. Um, it can be therapeutic for people. It can be really relaxing for for people to have these kinds of experiences. And, you know, whether you're um, like a cyber goth or or whether you're like a super hippy dippy person, you're part of someone's life after you perform these services on them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you have to remember that, you know, we have all, ancient times have told like these people, people who do this type of work, the work that we do, anything that is in and around blood um, have all been sacred people, like have been people who have that ability to have empathy that are connected to other humans that are available for that. And sometimes that availability comes in the form of complete silence. And we know that that's the right thing for them too. And so I think that people overestimate like this spirituality aspect of being some kind of song and dance when it really is sometimes just knowing when to be quiet and knowing when to put your hand on someone's shoulder and 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 really shaking them in and on the hand and looking them in the eye and making sure that this is the right thing for them like those other humanity levels that we add to it that's what makes this art this a craft an art You know what I mean? And uh, you and I, we get to explore other levels of this art because we've been doing it for a long time and we're spending more time cutting, doing a scarification um, than doing a body piercing. And we get to discover new levels of this. But I just don't want you to discount, Ryan, that you are doing the work. It's just the people who are coming to you are asking for a certain vibration. The people coming to me are asking for a different vibration. And you're giving exactly what they need. You know, I have, well, I have to, I, you know. I
0: feel the vibration as Marky Mark Wahlberg. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, stay tuned. We're gonna do a seance. <sighs> <laughs>
0: um, I actually have to go soon because I have a load of sarongs in the dryer that I have to get out. Right, absolutely. Um, so I, this is probably a good place to wrap it up before we start really getting into like existential. Topics, but uh, I just want to say thanks again for uh, putting up with me and and dealing with another piercing wizard podcast. Uh, this is Ryan Willett, and with me today was Alicia Cardina.
1: You're a wizard.
0: You're a shaman. <laughs> Making magic happen is fun. I like talking to my friends and sharing info for everybody. Uh, look forward to getting more of these shows up online on a regular basis for you, and if you have any questions or suggestions about what you'd want to hear on the show, send me an email at piercingwizard@gmail.com. At we'll see you next time and stay sharp. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like piercingwizard podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit PrecisionBodyArts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.